Welcome to a new episode of the Cartridge Club Prime Podcast, where we discuss our game of the month with members of the Cartridge Club community. If you've played along, you can always share your own experience in the forums at cartridgeclub.org, in our community's Discord, or across social media by using the hashtag PlayAlongWithPrime. I'm Church, and I'll be one of your hosts for this episode of CC Prime. Joining me to talk about our May 2020 Game of the Month of Undertale is Nintendo Hodge. Hello. Jason of Corpse Flood Gaming. Yo. And Mauser TV. Hello. Thanks for joining. Happy you guys are here. And real quick before we jump into the discussion, I'm going to share a little bit of information in the breakdown. Undertale is a role-playing game made by indie developer Toby Fox and self-published for Windows PC in September of 2015. Development was financed through a crowdfunding campaign via Kickstarter. The campaign was launched in June 2013 with a goal of $5,000. It ended in July of 2013, raising $51,000. Besides some art, the game was created entirely by Toby Fox. He wanted to develop a role-playing game that was different from the traditional design, which he often found, quote-unquote, boring to play. He set out to develop a game with interesting characters and that utilizes the medium as a storytelling device instead of having the story and gameplay abstractions be completely separate. So uh, I thought that was interesting because this is the second time on the club that we've covered a game developed by one person, previously being Axiom Verge. So that's pretty cool. Let's jump into our Undertale discussion here, and I kind of want to hear your guys' uh, experience with the game, if you had experiences in the past, and curious to what version you did play, because the game is available on PC, PS4, and Nintendo Switch at this time. So let's start with Hodge. Yeah, so this is, uh, I guess, technically my second playthrough. Uh, I played on the Nintendo Switch, uh, and then both times I played on the Nintendo Switch. And the, the cool thing about this game, and I mean, we'll talk about this more as it goes, is there's a multitude of ways you can play this game. Um, when I originally played it, I didn't know that you can play the quote-unquote pacifist mode in this game. Uh, so when I originally played it, I played it as a, I was playing a traditional RPG where I needed to kill people to level up to get my uh, experience and find new weapons and things like that. Um, and when this became the game of the month, and I found out, hey, there's passive mode. You can play this totally different. I'm like, okay, well, this time around, I need to try that method of uh, playthrough. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed both ways of doing it. In my opinion, and we might, we'll touch on this later, I actually found the pacifist mode harder than non-pacifist. Hmm. Definitely. Mauser, I, I know you had some history with the game. Yeah. Yeah, I've played this my this is my third playthrough going through um all three endings, pacifist, neutral, and genocide. PC is kind of rough though, because um if you do a genocide run, depending on you get two endings uh, you can choose from at the end of the genocide run. And depending on the ending you choose, it can actually corrupt your save and corrupt your game's config files on PC. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the Steam version, that config gets uploaded to the Steam cloud. So if you want to play another playthrough after doing the genocide ending, you have to disable Steam uh, cloud saves. You have to rewrite your config file. You have to, like, say you have to mark the game's uh, folders as read-only so it doesn't try to write to them. It's insane. And then finally, after that, you can start a new playthrough. So I had to go through all that, like, twice 
just to get to be able to play again. Yeah, that's definitely a pretty neat feature, especially with a game with kind of like these kind of moral choices where they won't really let you kind of like fudge the system to to get around your choices. But maybe we'll oh yeah, maybe we'll check on this uh, a little bit later in discussion. Jason, what are your experiences with Undertale? This is my first time playing through it. Uh, I played the PS4 version. And yeah. yeah, I went the true pacifist route and I heavily did not enjoy it. Mm. <laughs> we will find yeah. out. Uh, short it, form, but yeah. Yeah. And I've actually been harassing Jason for quite some time to play this. I actually bought him uh, the physical copy when Fangamer first uh, did physical copies for it. Which makes me feel extra bad for not enjoying it. <laughs> like it was literally free. It was a gift from a friend, and I really, I really tried. Yeah. But uh, uh, some aspects I really liked, but overall, uh, I actually found it kind of annoying. Sure, sure. But uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get more into it. But that's uh, my short form answer. Uh, so what I've already kind of talked about the game's development indie game made by one person. The, the quote that kind of sticks out is that he set out to develop a game with interesting characters, utilizes the medium as a storytelling device and instead of having the story and gameplay abstractions be completely separate. So I'd be curious, do you think Toby Fox was able to achieve this? And what, how would you describe Undertale for somebody who's not really familiar with it? Because there's definitely folks out there who don't really know much about Undertale community. Or Undertale, except for maybe some of like the the community stuff that got really annoying when the game was first released. So I guess, uh, you know, what is Undertale? Well, it's an RPG where you don't have to kill anybody, or you can kill everybody, mm. or you can kill just a couple of people. But um, overall, it's it's um. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to take different routes in a game rather than feeling like you're kind of bottlenecked into doing one thing. So that was a bit refreshing. I think it was. I think it was. I think it did a good job of not making fourth wall gags for the sake of fourth wall gags. Like they're actually woven into the actual like plot of the game itself. Like using save, like the save function, the ability to save using that as an actual plot device where it's like, oh, Flow used to be able to save and now <laughs> you're here. So now you can save and just stuff like that where it's just not for the sake of breaking the fourth wall. I also enjoyed the aspects of it where it's, it is an RPG, but in that sense of the battle system, is totally different than what you would think of. Uh, it's almost mixing in. Uh, and one example I saw online is, is, uh, is a bullet hell game is what the battle system is. So it's a game within the game for the battle system in a sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. Very classic styled uh, RPG. Toby Fox's history is actually he used to do, uh, ROM hacks for Earthbound, so you can definitely see as far as like the art style and kind of like the UI system, very very much inspired by Earthbound. Yes, hugely. And uh, yeah, I thought it was great that they that he he changed the battle system because a lot of people 
uh, more modern players, I would say, are kind of more turned off by that traditional turn-based system. And I think with the bullet hell aspect, even that can sort of be misleading at times with some of these encounters uh, because they're so, some of them are so random. Uh, And maybe we can talk a a little bit specifically about those attack, uh, those uh, attacks and encounters in a little bit here, but um, overall, yeah, the, the original tagline was the, the friendly RPG where nobody has to die. And (laughs) a lot of games will kind of give you those moral choices to, uh, to an extent, but usually by the end of the game, like, sometimes it ultimately doesn't matter or it only applies to maybe like a relationship with the character where, yeah, this, the sweeping differences between the pacifist and the genocide route. I, should we uh, expand on the differences between those at all? Do you think? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the major, major hooks of the game. So I've never done the genocide route myself. So you guys all have a little bit more experience with that. I'm not a monster. (laughs) 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 No, uh, for me, the first time I played the game, I kind of knew about that aspect. So a lot of times, like with stealth games and stuff, like I know there's this kind of twist of the gameplay. And I always usually go that alternate route to try to do something a little bit different. But, uh, I mean, what is the genocide route? It, so, so the genocide route, if, yeah, it's, you have to literally, you literally kill every creature, every character in the game. Like, instead of playing the game normally and just, instead of just choosing to kill every encounter you run into along the way through the game, you have to deliberately grind each level each random encounter over and over and over again until there's literally nobody left in that area and then move on to the next area and do the same. And they won't, and they get to a point where enemies won't respawn anymore in like some of the random encounter areas. Right. You'll, you'll get a, you'll get a random encounter notification. Like you'll pop into a battle screen and it'll say, but nobody came. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's brutal. Yeah, it is. The game really, really makes you feel, or tries to make you feel like what you're doing is a terrible thing, especially considering most of the the people you encounter aren't necessarily bad people. They're just performing a role or a duty. Uh, Some of them are dicks. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah, 100%. They're like, hey, I don't want to hurt you. And they're like, I don't care. I'm a dick. And you're like... (laughs) I really want to hurt you, but I'm playing through <laughs> fastest right now. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's what took me out of it a lot. I think I would enjoy a, a neutral or a genocide route a lot more mm-hmm. because there's nothing I hate more than not fighting back. <laughs> I, no. uh, I absolutely like, especially if you die and you got to do it again. You're like, I want to kick this guy's ass so bad. So um, doing the pacifist route was a different experience, but one I ultimately just kind of was just annoyed by. Random encounters were more annoying than when, you know, when you played a traditional RPG where they just pop up out of nowhere. You're like, well, it's more XP. 
Uh, you get nothing out of not fighting anybody <laughs> except for, I guess, feeling good about yourself. Yeah. And like two gold. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Sometimes. I mean, as, as it's been mentioned already, is that uh, going pacifist makes the game significantly harder. I wouldn't say harder than genocide, though. No. Nah, the, 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 some of the, just, the genocide fights, like everyone talks about the um, the final boss fight, yeah, um, this... like the Megalovania and all that. Mm-hmm. There's a fight against Undyne that I think is the hardest fight in the game. It's just, it's, it uses different mechanics. You're not just doing bullet hell. It's, it's, it takes her shield defense mechanics and twists them around. And it's insane. It takes me like a lot of tries just to get through. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the first barrier that I encountered where like, I didn't have really much problem taking care of any of the other encounters, but this one I ended up having to backtrack a bunch and buy a bunch of healing items to make it through that fight. Yeah, it's, the, it's rough. The Undying Pacifist one? Yes. Oh, okay. Did you not have much trouble with that one? With Undying? No, not really. I didn't really have much trouble till like the very end, which like, you know, the, you figure out the pattern. Mm-hmm. Most of them are pretty easy. The first time fighting Papyrus, I think I, I had a bit of trouble and then mm-hmm. figured him out and that was about it. Like most of them never ended up killing me off. I usually only carried about two healing items or whatever, just whatever I picked up. I never really went out of my way to get them until like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm very clearly near the end. Then I started carrying more, but I, I even found just just the random doing the pacifist mode, just the random battles. I found okay, what answer do I need to get to get out of this battle properly? Okay, let's try this one. Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, and I'm dead. Okay, you got to restart and go back and try something. And I died quite a bit playing through just on random enemies or. I felt I would, okay, beat this enemy. I don't know how far up this next save point is. I need to use a healing item. And then I would run out of healing items. And, I okay, i got to spend all my money on healing items now when I when I can. And it just kind of cycled through that. But later on, which we can talk about whenever, and I reached out to you guys just for a little guidance because I kind of got to a spot where I thought I was screwed and I wasn't going to be able to finish the game. Uh, but luckily, I was able to go back and kind of cheat the system, I guess, in a sense, to load up on some healing items, and and I was able to continue on, which was great. Yeah, I I think it makes for another interesting trade-off, is if you go like the genocide route, then you're equipping armor, you're equipping weapons, uh, you're killing enemies and getting... uh, I don't know if you actually... Do you get extra gold for killing enemies? versus? I think so. I feel I'm like pretty you sure do. you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But in the genocide route, you're leveling up. So you're getting more hit points and you have to buy better healing items to heal you better. Where if you play the pacifist route, uh, essentially you don't level at all. You stay first level the entire game. And it's really handy because there's a very cheap healing item that you can actually heal twice with. So it, I, I, that alleviates some of that. I think, I mean, you can still equip armor. And weapons, but it just uh, it just sucks with that because yeah, it, it's easy to use those. But when you're in the middle of a battle and you take two hits and you lose half your HP, 
and then okay i need to heal now and try to avoid the hits before i can do my attack right so it was tricky it would have yeah it would be nice to have a little bit more hp but i get it because you're not leveling so you don't get that yes yes uh so would one of you want to kind of talk a little bit more about what the battle system is we already said it's kind of like a bullet hell but it depends on the enemy <laughs> yeah honestly some uh, a lot of it it's almost like playing a different game while you're getting attacked to avoid things like some it's bullet hell uh one feels kind of like uh almost like asteroids when you're feeding uh fighting undyne i felt like when you got to turn the shield to wherever that. he's attacking from felt kind of like something like that uh and you know the one like uh was it papyrus the one where you have to like jump over all the bones and stuff mm -hmm. uh that yeah. felt more like i don't know felt almost platformy in a way i thought that was like flappy bird yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't know i didn't play that flappy bird but yeah like... <laughs> Yeah, so for a little more clarification, uh, if anybody's not familiar, uh, so basically, if if you know what, kind of how Earthbound presents its battle system, where you see the enemy, you don't see your characters, and there'll just be an info box. Where this one, you see the, the enemy, and then there's literally a box, and you are a heart. That's basically your life or your hitbox. And in this box, when you counter enemies, they'll have different things being sent into the box that you're avoiding or jumping or dodging. It's, I mean, it's all over the place. There's so every enemy has a unique, unique, uh, little, uh, battle function, I guess. Yeah. And that way it keeps it, uh, sort of, you know, engaging. Cause you're like, Oh, you know, you got to learn something new. It's not just here they come. They're going to do this, this, and this, and I got to avoid this. I mean, like everyone's got their own attack patterns. So that makes every every enemy feel like a different enemy. It doesn't feel like just the same crap every time. So uh, in that way, I thought it was pretty cool. At least yeah. for dodging attacks. The uh, the other part, you know, being on the on the offensive, I think was my biggest gripe with the game. Where mm -hmm. if you're trying to do the pacifist, you're just trying to do non lethal where you talk your way out of damage, it's like, oh, okay, it's this guy again. Okay, I'm going to compliment your hat. Okay, you're going to say this. I'm going to compliment your hat again. All right, have a good one. We'll see you next time. And then just rinse, repeat, you know? Yeah, it felt like it felt like a weird conversation simulator in that way, too, where <laughs> that's the part I didn't like. Like, how do, how, yeah, how do I talk this guy down? It's basically all you're doing. You're yeah, talking yeah. everyone down, trying not to get in a fight. Yeah, and, uh, and, and how, I how know that system like, works. Would you want to touch on that? Yeah, that's basically exactly what you do. You there's all the different, you know, in like every RPG, there's attack, there's you know, use item, there's uh, talk or whatever it is, compliment, and you go and you can say like there's a there'll be depending on the enemy, there'll be anywhere between two and like eight things you can do. You can say something. Call you can ag them on, you can say, uh, oh, you're cool, or you can flirt with them, or you can ignore them, or whatever. Like, and you got to kind of look at the type of enemy and figure out, like, hey, what's this guy, what's going to get this person's attention? What's going to make them react the way you want? And some are just totally just 
you have you basically it's just trial and error. Hmm. It won't have any effect on them. And then sometimes even the thing that you need to do to get their attention, you got to do a couple times before they even respond to it at all. So the first time you might use it, you'd be like, oh, that that's useless. That does nothing. But oh, I had to do it three times. So that's where that's where I found it annoying. Honestly, yeah, I, like, I can see hey, what do I got to do? And I didn't want to look anything up, so I didn't. So it made it a bit more annoying. Like, okay, hey, like, how do I, how do I get this guy? It's basically how do I make everyone fuck off? Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> leave it's, me alone. It was it was basically like being an introvert. In the game, be like, leave me alone. I don't want to fight you. Go away. I don't even want to deal with you. Get away from me. I'm I found like just, I'm literally just trying to leave. Leave me alone. <laughs> I found they got progressively harder though, because like in the beginning, like for the Snowden enemies, for example, uh, the dogs. Okay, it's a dog. I'm going to try to pet the dog because it's a dog. And sure enough, that's the right action to do, right? You pet the dog. The dog gets all excited. Okay, what's next? I'm going to play with the dog. And then the dog gets all tuckered out and tired. And then you can, okay, I'm going to not kill you. Oh, exactly. That's that's what I mean. Like some of them were very obvious what you're going to do. And then some of them were like a jellyfish looking thing. You're like, I don't know. Dance? <laughs> so uh, what I was guess? Flirt kind of... It? Oh, it likes when I flirt with it. Weird. And yeah. I also feel like uncomfortable with that too. Like you're supposed to be like some like 10 year old kid. You know, like, <laughs> you're flirting, with you know, like flirting with octopuses and caves. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. actually with, um, with the act command where you can choose those actions. Uh, the first one is, I think I can't remember exactly what it was examine or something. And that a lot of times will give you a, a very strong clue on like how to respond to the the enemies. Like some of them is like they'll say, "Oh, he's just looking for a compliment." Or okay, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, idea. and earlier in the game, it really doesn't seem like it amounts to much, but a lot of times that will kind of direct you what to do. And then yeah, so you talk these enemies down, and then eventually their their name and the UI will turn yellow, and then you can use the mercy command, which basically ends the fight without killing them and then you go yeah. on about your way that seems weird that they're the one attacking you and you're doing nothing but you're showing them mercy <laughs> like they're begging for your mercy well it kind of ties in with that they'll tie in more with the story and why yeah. they're they're doing that maybe they're just that bored of the conversation <laughs> just like, oh my god thanks oh <laughs> me mercy and letting me leave what a weirdo he flirted with me <laughs> so uh, along with the the kind of more traditional jrpg gameplay uh you know talking to people usually text boxes we got this crazy unique uh combat system did you have any particular favorite encounters because uh, for me there's a lot of them i found pretty funny very weird so i was interested in any ones that kind of stood out to you or ones that you like despised uh, absolutely. Um, I found most characters annoying, but I found Papyrus kind of funny in uh, his weird, like adding to the weirdness of it, like saying, "Yeah, you're a ten-year-old kid," but he seems like almost like he has a crush on you. <laughs> he just really wants a friend. He's just like, ooh, ooh, and you go on you know, that awkward date thing with him if you uh, spare him, and uh, that's how you unlock the cat shrine. Mm-hmm. In his house yep. on the yep. PS4 version, at least I don't know. I I know it's 
it was exclusive to the PS4 version. I don't know if they put it in the Switch version at all, but um, yeah, yeah that is I, found, I found him one of the most enjoyable characters. I found a lot of the other characters kind of graded on my nerves. Yeah. Undyne was pretty cool, I thought. And uh, what's his name? The dude at, at the dude at the end, of, like the regular end before the true end. Asgore. Oh, Asgore. Asgore. Yeah, he, yeah he, he looked pretty metal. <laughs> yeah it's 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 definitely a very silly game that's for sure yeah and the silly kind of got lost on me honestly the story didn't vibe with me really at all mm-hmm. not just like the i'm not fighting anybody um i didn't realize i was such a violent person until i played this game and i was just like <laughs> i want to crush these freaking fools <laughs> seriously go go through the genocide ending i've never had a game make me feel so terrible about myself than undertale's <laughs> genocide ending like no joke yeah they they definitely drive that home especially yeah there's a lot of nuance to to that so i i, I guess uh for other favorite encounters uh what do you guys um, i think uh for main characters sans is probably my favorite of all of them He's got a bunch of great one-liner dad jokes, as I like to call oh, them. Yeah, uh, pretty yeah. much throughout the whole whole thing. I love it. Love it. I, I feel, feel I actually knew you. I was waiting for you to say that because uh, <laughs> uh, we're friends on Facebook, and you've yeah. got a daily like dad joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, oh my God, Hodge is loving this. I can tell. I know. <laughs> like it actually made me think of you right away because I knew you were on the episode too, and I was like, I was like, well, he's gonna love this. Yeah. <laughs> But I did appreciate the little discussion you have with Sans uh, at the end of the neutral playthrough when you're talking with him at the cafe and things yes. get kind of serious and he starts mm-hmm. leveling with you a little bit. Like I really appreciated that. So he's not so much of a just a jokester. Like he's got a serious side to him too as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so and there's some of the encounters too can have like some hidden things. Like the first time you encounter one of the, the dog enemies, the lesser dog. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of like a dog in night armor, not the big beefy one, but it's the first Raider one you encounter. Yep. And that's the one that you um, can pet and his head will rise up a little bit. <laughs> well, you can actually pet that dog like 30 or like 35 times and his head. Every time you pet it keeps rising up and eventually it goes to the top of the screen. It comes back down and goes to the bottom. And then there's just all this funny like flavor text that constantly happens every time you do that. Or just, just some of the weird presentations, like when you encounter um, Temi, the weird, like, there's the Temi village with the weird dogs, but you can also encounter an enemy. And so it's this bullet hell game, and all of a sudden you have this, like, dog creature with super long legs, and it's just, like, waddling back and forth, and you're trying, like, not to bump into its legs. Just so weird. But uh, me, I, I, I love it. Like, I like, I like weird Oh yeah, the it's... weirdness is awesome. Like, I, I would like to meet Toby Fox and just say, like, how did he come up with some of this stuff? Because, yeah, wow, <laughs> drugs <laughs> could be, could be. He did it all by himself. I mean, he probably had to get on some sort of drugs to stay awake too, just to. Oh yeah, yeah, this game. So to stay awake, yeah, drugs, drugs, and and, and some of the the uh, like the wordplay for some of the the enemies, like the I always have. I, tough to say this just because it's mashing two words but the sundari plane yeah exactly yes <laughs> yeah sunder, i just say sunder plane or whatever just leave the t out because <laughs> it's a combination of sundari which is like kind of like the brooding um like uh anime archetype and an airplane and then you get this 
brooding airplane and (laughs) (laughs) pretty interesting that's for sure um any other like uh enemy encounters or enemy attacks that you thought were normal or is it just something you think people should just jump in and check out I think without spoiling too much, I think Undines was good just because it mixed up. It just it, it mixed up the the mechanics that you were that, that you thought you had already gotten used to. Yeah, you get really comfortable up until that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found the three most uh, kind of for like the very very end um, was Papyrus, Undyne, and Muffet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, had, the, had the most had the most like unique battles to them. I keep forgetting about Muffet's fight too. Yeah, and you're you're totally right. Yeah, kind of brings in like a almost like a music graph that you move up and down on to dodge enemies, and then it like a, it switches into the 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 cupcake monster or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that was that was probably my favorite fight. Actually, it was between Undyne and Muffet's fight. Uh, as much of an actual pain in the ass Muffet's fight was, it was enjoyable at the same time. It was one of those ones where, like, if you get hit, you're like, ah, oh, that, that was my fault. You know? and that's actually uh, another interesting encounter because there's a way you can completely avoid the counter. Yeah, by going to the bake sale and spending money on it. <laughs> but that's like, yeah, that's way at the beginning of the game. It's nothing you would think of to hold on to, in my opinion. Yeah, most likely, if if it's your first time playing through, you likely use that healing item, or you just threw it, threw it in your stash because you're like, hey, what am I going to do with this? I didn't even buy anything. It was just being cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you save your money. You know, it's an RPG. Yeah, because yeah, I just more of those bicycles. No, no, just uh, just. Doing it all to catch, trying to get that platinum. That's oh, sure. <laughs> uh, so I guess we're kind of touch on maybe some more of the the design uh, presentation. Just so again, we kind of said kind of has a earthbound aesthetic, very very retro looking. The closest to earthbound I could think, if, as far as comparisons, was just the the batshit crazy enemies like who, who, yeah, like, <laughs> we're talking about the sentient plane and the just two things combined just every enemy that comes up you're like what the hell is this thing now <laughs> so that's where I found the, the earthbound really that's when I really started to to see it but there's all also other instances that definitely definitely show that the, the earthbound influence mm-hmm. i think it ties in with the humor too like this game has you know it's gonna be hit or miss depending on a person's sense of humor but it's lots of jokes and gags and it, it goes from not taking itself seriously at all to taking itself super seriously yeah like yes <laughs> for sure a huge huge turn at the end but i think that's kind of what really makes the the story Kind of that. That's what made it hit for me, anyways. Were there any other like so? Lots of dad jokes from uh, uh, Sands and other kind of things. Is the so two two of the first like main characters we meet are the skeleton brothers, Sands and Papyrus, and some other aspects of the game that I really enjoyed is that Sands his text box is in the sans font and papyrus yes. 
this text box is in the papyrus font. <laughs> like silly stuff like that. I think I could, I could tell right when I saw his name that he and the, just the look of him that that he thought he was a comic because he starts telling jokes right away. He's trying to be the funny guy. <laughs> I'm like, I got the pun in his name right away. I was like, huh. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And then another kind of like uh, running running joke is if you if you encountered it in, in a kind of like quote unquote hidden room as the annoying dog. Oh yeah, yeah. which is kind <laughs> of like a running gag throughout the game. Just an annoying dog. That moment I thought was great because you find this item and it's like, oh wow, I, this is going to be a super special item, and you go to pick it up and it says you're carrying too much dog, and you're like. <laughs> What? You check your inventory and you have an annoying dog in your inventory and you drop the annoying dog and it steals the item and runs away and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he shows up later too. Like he's uh, he starts gnawing on one of uh, Papyrus's bones during his special attack or whatever. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, in one of the endings too at the the final end screen, if you wait long enough, he'll just Show up and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, just trying to think of some of the other enemies we haven't really maybe touched on, like uh, Metaton, which is a recurring enemy throughout the game. Pretty, pretty unique encounters there. The 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 various like TV shows that you that you barge into, I thought were great. Like going from like the cooking show to the to the uh, the news anchor desk to the. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on on the other the other tropes that they touched on during his fight, but uh, third one was, was like the um, essentially the parody of the Final Fantasy VI opera scene. That's what. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Which, yep. Like the first time I saw that, I was like, this <laughs> this is brilliant, just because like that that scene from Final Fantasy VI for me is like a huge uh, moment in gaming history, and here we got like iconic, completely making fun of it. <laughs> Lots of little hidden things throughout the game, too. There's one part I missed uh, the, the first time. Not necessarily... A, I wouldn't say this is a spoiler by any means, but uh, you come across this village kind of in the midpoint of the earlier part of the game, and there's this ghost there. And the ghost is like... You eat and is like, hey, you want to lay down with me? And you can just lay on the floor. And if you hit a button, you just get back up and go about your business. Uh, did anybody continue to lay on the floor? No. I did. I, I laid on the floor until it got trippy. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I laid there for quite a while. Completely trips <laughs> out. You got this weird music going, and this turns into space—a picture of like a galaxies and superclusters and stuff. Uh, so much uh, random things. Thunder snail race. Like, is anybody able to? Uh, Can you actually beat that? Yeah, that was going to be my question. I did my first playthrough, and I don't remember how. Uh, you so there's a thunder snail race where you can bet on a snail, and there's like was it four snails that are racing or three, and you have to give it encouragement, and basically you hit encourage button, like the snail like kind of like pops up a little bit, and in order to win, I think you have to do it like six or seven times, just encourage it six or seven times, and. It'll go slightly faster, but I, 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 the first time I played, like it wasn't working, so I kept hitting the button to keep giving it 
uh, encouragement, and eventually it flipped over and started on fire because he gave it too much encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just so much silliness in this game. Uh, the instant noodles. Did anybody use the instant noodles during combat by chance? Those things are a goddamn pain in the ass. <laughs> because uh, of all the items, usually the items you just use it. Where the instant noodles is, oh, okay, well, you got to make the instant noodles. So it like completely stops the battle. Like the screen doesn't change or anything. It's just it's all text. But it's like, oh, you open the package, you pour it in the water, you got to start boiling the water. <laughs> And you got to wait for water to boil. So, oh, you got three minutes left. You got two minutes left. And just kind of goes through the whole process of making ramen. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then it gives you, like, the shittiest uh, <laughs> amount of health back. It gives you, like, eight health or something. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. After all, uh, after all that, I should be invincible for a couple of turns. <laughs> one, one character we haven't mentioned, and I'm going to bring him up now because... I'm remembering something for the first playthrough I did, and maybe you guys can refresh my memory because it didn't happen in my second playthrough. Is flowery, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I swear on my first playthrough of this game, you encounter him very early in the game, and he teaches you how the game works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. having that on my second playthrough. It might not do it if it's if it's detects a previous playthrough okay so maybe that's what it was because he tells you he's like oh you want to touch everything that's in the screen and then you touch it and it hurts you he's telling (laughs) you the opposite of what you're supposed to do see the first time i did i didn't and he was like all right let's stop playing around and touch the pellet and i dodge (laughs) it again and he was like run into the bullet pellets (laughs) <laughs> yeah a great great little intro to as they say how the game works by trying to tell you you know you got this uh lv abbreviation which stands for love and as you fight more enemies you accumulate more love and experience you got the exp and then yeah he's like oh the friendliness pellets and that's kind of how you figure out <laughs> Oh, this 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 combat system is going to be a little bit different. I think it does a pretty unique way of uh, kind of throwing you right in there. There's that encounter, like right at the beginning, and then the combat dummy or whatever. Yeah, I think it does a pretty good job of kind of letting you know something's up. But I think it, it definitely, if you kind of know like the premise, the just the basic premise of the game going into it. I, I think that helps a lot. I think this is, this is definitely a game I think that people should go into knowing as little as possible. Yes, uh, some agree. of the, the 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 story moments I think can be can be surprising. I guess the only other uh, like design wise I wanted to to touch on was um, the theme with with the with saving. For some reason, for me, that just kind of stands out because it's not just you know, traditional safe point. Yeah, it's there, but there's always these little encounters, I guess. And you guys want to talk about that bit? What that's yeah. about? It's yeah, like, like they, they actually give it in, in story justification for saving. Like I know some other games like Metal Gear Solid where like you're, you're making a record um, by calling in the radio and stuff like that. But having it as 
an actual like power, like, oh, you have the ability to save. You can shape the world to have as however you want to by saving and stuff like that. I thought was a, a good touch and a good way to justify it. Yeah, and a lot of that really comes into play towards the end of the game. So I think maybe without going too much into spoilers, I, I, don't, I don't know. We, we didn't really say how much we wanted to go into spoilers on that. Uh, I, ran into a, I, I ran into a really sick instance of it early game where mm-hmm. it kind of makes a difference going up with the fight against Toriel the first time. I didn't realize that there was a, a non-lethal way to get past it. I was like, oh, wow, they, she really wants me to fight her. I guess I have to fight her. And I fought her, and I killed her, and I felt horrible. And so I decided to reload my previous save, go through the whole dialogue again, and then I managed to save her. And then I got to Flowey after that. Flowey goes on and says, listen, you're not the only person who knows how to save around here. I know what you did. You killed her. You're not going to be able to wipe that away. Stuff like that. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's And that, for, for the new player, um, like that's when you really, really know that, you know, your actions have consequences because. Right. Especially with that fight. Like, yeah, because you keep doing the, the, the mercy and nothing changes. And you have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. It's a game that's like, it makes you, makes it really easy for you to just attack and take the easy route like it's a game that the going the pacifist route it makes you work for it in particular and i thought that was pretty interesting so um yeah and uh kind of like one of the the i guess memes or, or from the game is the uh with saving every safe spot we'll have like a flavor text. You'll the, like you come up to a spot and there is a piece of cheese on a table and it's like, Oh, there's a piece of cheese stuck to the table and you see a little mouse hole. And it's like, well, and then you go to save and it says, you know, the thought of that mouse someday getting that cheese fills you with determination and it keeps <laughs> getting more and more. There's the, 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 the frozen spaghetti that papyrus leaves. It's like, and then again, there's the mouse hole. I thought that was kind of, kind of cute. So do we want to kind of talk about the story a little bit? Like what, maybe this is something we should have kind of jumped into earlier, but I thought maybe it would be a little bit better to kind of give the story. It's section after kind of explaining the basics of the game. So what is like, what's, what's the gist of the story without going too much into the end game spoilers? Feel free um, to just jump it. Yeah. Like you, you, you you're a kid you're walking along you fall into a pit underground you find a bunch of monsters and you find out that years and years ago monsters and humans both were on the earth they fought the humans forced the monsters underground and sealed them away with a magical barrier and they've been clinging on to hope that they would be able to one day get past the barrier and you find out that you are part of the key to help them do that yeah, and you also find out you're not the first kid to fall down there. Also true. Yeah, it, it it's a real. This game's tough when talking about the story, because, <laughs> like, spoilers can I I think can take so much away. Right. So I don't know. Maybe I had a little bit here on story. I thought 
we could talk about the gist, but I mean, if you go much more into it, it it's pretty shallow if you don't talk about any of the story points. So <laughs> it is like it, it's definitely a story. I think it's it, it's a great story. That you'll just have to take our words for it, Jason. <clears throat> uh, maybe take his word for it. Maybe you won't like the story. He didn't like the story too much. Well, I'll, going into this, I heard there was a very divisive game, mm-hmm. but you know, I try to keep an open mind. And like I said, there wasn't. I didn't completely hate it, but there was elements I liked. I found the the different areas, the whole world itself uh, was pretty cool. And the music went perfect with each area it went to. The music, honestly, was the best part for me. Music was amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, it's, it's, I love the game. The music is the best part for me, too. It's just <laughs> phenomenal. I'm trying to think if there's anything story-wise else we can really say without spoiling too much thought about i thought about this before i had previously done a, a review myself and well, most like, people do they listen to this they usually wait until they they play it before they listen yeah some people don't care well i don't know that they don't care i think they're <laughs> expecting spoilers then nah. there, i mean there's a lot to talk about like because uh, the game seems very superficial for a, a large part of it. And then you start kind of get an inkling that there's, there's a little something more to it. And then by the time you get to the, the initial ending is one of the things that I'm, I'm becoming pretty irritated by when uh, game developers do these kind of uh, faux endings where they'll give you an ending and there's, I think Undertale is a little bit different because it kind of, it tells you, I mean, they straight up tell you, Hey, the, you get the encounter with flowing. He's like, keep going. Maybe there's something else to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I see a lot of people stopping. And I think Hodge, you said the first time you played, that's kind of where you stopped, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, for this playthrough, it was kind of weird because I got to the final fight with, um, Asgore. Asgore, yeah. I fought Asgore three times and beat him every time. And every time Flowery, like you said, would be like, okay, no, we're not done yet. And then I'd reload the game. And I expected (laughs) that I would have to fight Flowery because I remember fighting him in the past. Mm -hmm. But because this was the pacifist route, I guess I didn't have to this time. And that's when I realized there was the other steps where I had to go back into town and I had to go to Alfie's uh, laboratory to finish some stuff there that I hadn't done. Um, and once I did that, then everything kind of continued on. But it's it's it was kind of banging my head against the wall. And that's why I reached out to you guys going, okay, what am I doing wrong here? Because I'm, I'm at the point here, I figured I was close to the end and sure enough, I wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, there was quite a quite a bit after the ending, and uh, I know Church, you and I have discussed this quite a few times on the Game Times podcast that uh, we really hate the faux endings because a lot of people will just be like, "Ah, I've seen enough," even if they do know there's more. I saw credits, uh, like, like near, yeah, near <laughs> Automata, uh, Gravity Rush, a uh, c- couple other games. Game Time. That's, yeah, that's what I said first. And a lot of people, yeah, you know, just oh, I'm good enough. That that counts as a beat, <laughs> or something, or yeah, yeah. I didn't. It didn't really grip me. I'm done with it. 
you're like, oh, you cool. You actually, you know, in Nier's uh, case, you've, oh, you've played like a quarter of the game. Hurry for you. So. Yeah, and that's why it bothers me. Like, usually I will check out post-game content on a game. If it allows me to keep going, I'll just kind of go around and see what's up. But uh, in a lot of cases, I, I find that it's a little more obvious with a few of these games that there's a little bit more. If you just do that, like, next step, then they're like, oh, hey, there's this whole other thing to do. Yeah, I kind of I kind of approach it like Marvel movies now, where I just kind of look it up. Like, <laughs> am I done? Okay, cool, I'm done. <laughs> there's nothing after the credits. Cool. And there's, well, there's I, a difference between games like Near Automata and like Halo, where it's like, oh well, if you do it on Legendary with all the skulls, you get a cutscene thirty seconds longer than the regular one you would get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, where this one, it's like the whole f- final act of the game is like. That's where like everything comes to a head. You get all the the background of the story, what why everything happened the way it did. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's where the game gets serious and stops goofing around. <laughs> <It> gets, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, like it, it's just a goofy game up until then. And you're like, oh yeah, this guy's kind of kind of evil. Everyone else is just kind of like a lackey, sort of, or just some character you meet along the way. And you're like, oh cool, he's the big bad. And then you mm. fight him, thinking, okay, I'll, I'll be done after this. And then shit actually gets real pretty much when you reload it. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I think that that's an aspect that some people might struggle with too, is kind of the, maybe not so much the gameplay, but the people looking for the big story hooks that, it, as I said before, you know, it, it's kind of light and goofy and superficial. Yeah. I understand. Hours. And then all of a sudden, then it's like, that's kind of where you're like, oh, no, no, play the game for like 10 hours and then it gets good, which I, I never like saying that because even like slow games, slow beginnings for me, I, like I enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, I don't like a mid game burn, honestly, when a game starts awesome and then there's feelings like a slow burn, like it's just padding itself out. Uh, I have honestly, I felt a little bit like that from the Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, definitely some of the, some of like the mid game side questing can. Yeah, it can drag things out a little bit. And and that I felt like uh, at least it was brief. Like nothing felt like it took too long to do in that. But uh, as far as like this goes, yeah, I didn't care about the story at all, honestly, until I until I got to the the end and started it up again after that. Then I started being like, oh, interesting. Like uh, honestly, it didn't it didn't grip me at all until then. And then I started thinking, like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? They gave their characters depth. What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it also it also helps that it's not a long game. Yes, yeah. It's you can be finish Undertale in what 12, 10 to twelve hours or so, depending. Yeah. Under that, it was like six, I think three, seven. Yeah. Crush it like Jason does. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to be a humble brag. I just don't think it's <laughs> <laughs> we got our we got our uh, 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 I guess I always forget what the the phrase is. The in-house poly killer, <laughs> <laughs> resident poly killer. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we kind of mentioned the music, and I definitely 
wanted to talk about the music. Oh, uh, as said, the game is developed by single person Toby Fox, and he also did all the music for this game. And he does have uh, a background in composing. He used to do the music for an online uh, comic series called Homestuck, which I'm not too familiar with myself. But uh, yeah, what'd you guys... So everyone kind of said music's pretty good. You can tell that he's in his element there. Yeah, it was it was clear it wasn't his first rodeo as far as music. Uh, the, I'm a big sucker for chiptune, so as long as it's somewhat interesting, I'm going to love it, and this knocks it out of the park music-wise. I honestly did not know that he was involved with Homestuck. And it kind of makes sense because it's just, it's got the same kind of like fan base where you're like, do I really want to get involved with this game? Like it's a whole Rick and Morty thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Undertale community definitely uh, didn't do itself any service uh, those first like year or so. Right. I mean, even still now they can be very, very pushy about uh, their thoughts on this game. But uh, I think there's a couple songs from Homestuck that kind of like slightly got remixed or remade for this game. But uh, yeah, if nothing else, if you have no interest, if somebody doesn't have any interest in playing this game and you like chiptunes or retro music, definitely check out the soundtrack. Like great variety does a awesome blend of the, you know, the chiptunes. He throws in some electronic elements and, or orchestral arrangements, uh, not uh, traditional instruments, but um, yeah, like MIDI instruments. Uh, it's so, it's so good. I, I own uh, mostly intentional three copies uh, physically of the soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> initially, I bought bought it on vinyl because you know wh- why not? You know they're doing all these neat vinyl releases of retro game soundtracks and then because i don't listen to records myself i don't even i don't have a record player i end up buying (laughs) the uh cd version of the soundtrack um and then also got a copy of the soundtrack with the the collector's edition and i'm i'm more than happy to have three copies of the soundtrack for me for me this is like top five game soundtracks of all time Super good. Uh, I'd, yeah. I'd go, go ahead. There. No, no, no. I was agreeing with you. Uh, I was going to say, uh, any particular songs that, that really stood out to, to each of you? I think my two favorites were Asgore's uh, battle song. So I, I don't even want to try to pronounce the actual track title. <laughs> it's like Bergen Truckung or I don't know. It's, it's Trump, German. Yeah. yeah. And then I also like the uh, Papyra uh, Bone 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 Yeah, those were my two favorites. I don't have a particular favorite. So I, like I said, that was my favorite aspect of the game. So I just, everything fit the theme it needed to. It really made some of the 
areas you you go into, even if it's more like ominous, barely any sound to it mm. in a couple areas. Uh, even that can, you know, that can flesh it out a lot more, make it feel more real. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, how about you, Mazar? Any particular songs? Yeah, Bone Trouble for sure. Um, and then the um, Genocide Undying Fight has got a phenomenal song. That's easily one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, and there's basically is it? It's that, and then megalovania which are oh yeah two songs that you can only mm-hmm. hear during the genocide route for me personally i do i've never from from when i first played the game up until now i've never really understood the love for megalovania like it's a cool song but like almost every other song in the game i prefer over that song so i'm not sure why the community is so latched on to that one because like you look i think it's just it's just the the boss fightiest boss fight song to ever fight. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's <true. laughs> that is true. Uh, and uh, just kind of a side note is uh, I don't remember the exact place, but if you, if you Google it, uh, you can, there is somebody who essentially like made that sans fight from the ge- uh, genocide run and they did, did it in a browser version. So you can just play that fight. <laughs> oh, what? cool. Very cool. Yeah. Right. Get some practice then. Yeah. It's, it's, it is insane. It is. I mean, uh, technically you're not intended to be able to beat that fight. And there's a pretty interesting uh, outcome with that encounter but again that's kind of a spoiler thing uh but uh music yeah for me there's like there's like like i said i absolutely love the soundtrack there's so many songs the the, the asgore bone trusel uh i forget exa- the metatons it's like meat grinder earlier tracks like even some of the areas um uh, one that really kind of shifted the mood of the game like pretty extreme early on was when you get to the waterfall area and it's kind of like that that chimey bell song oh yeah yeah like it's just this like super chill ominous kind of like haunting song and uh this the soundtrack has to be heard to believe it it's it's so good and then for me especially with video games the knowing kind of like the the story implications or the character implications for the songs like elevate them so much more Uh, like i can listen to a soundtrack and basically relive playing a game which i think is part of the reason why i love video game soundtracks as much as i do 100%. Hundred percent. So I, I guess as we kind of move on here before we wrap things up, I wanted to check to see if you guys had any other thoughts or things you just wanted to mention that you enjoyed about the game, or do you think we c- 
covered everything pretty well. Maybe just to go back to my playthrough. So uh, maybe this will be semi-spoiler. I don't know. But anyways, I think we've kind of said spoilers are somewhat okay. Sure. So I played through as a pacifist mode. And I got to the end. And normally what would happen is the is flowery would come out and it would kind of stop the battle right and he forces you to reload and then you're supposed to fight him correct right yeah do you fight him for the pacifist fight though no no okay so that's correct i'm not supposed to fight him for that fight you're not supposed to fight at all if you're pacifist. Okay. Well, I just that's a fight we didn't talk about that mm-hmm. when you play through the, I guess, the neutral fight, you still fight him because I did fight him in the past. And that is one bizarre Oh, fight. my God. Yeah. Like, there, it just throws everything at you on the screen. It's just bright it's colored and weirdness the whole way. Like, oh, my. Yeah, pure... Pure madness, and I I got insta killed just because I was sitting there like, what the hell am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's it's wild stuff. Yeah, when it changes the graphical style and everything, just to some kind of weird early nineties MTV. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. But like some kind of white zombie video or something. Yeah, and that, and, and that's like where like uh, a lot of the um, and there's a lot of kind of like fourth wall breaking throughout the game, not too extreme, but like there there's elements of the game that acknowledge acknowledges like us as the player. And that I thought it's, I think it's fascinating how it's all presented. And it it tries to be pretty meta. It kind of reminded me of like to keep mentioning metal gear solids kind of weird, but uh, you know, kind of like with, Metal Gear Solid One when you're fighting uh, uh, names escaping me right now. The Psycho Mantis. Psycho Mantis fight, yeah. Like yes. it just seemed like he was trying to pull that kind of shit, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting too. See, actually, I don't, I don't know what it does for the Switch or the or the PS4 version, but the PC version, if you die during that fight, the game quits and it restart the game. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. and it it's it's it saved it has a save point from the beginning of that fight and all that, but yeah, it just closes the game altogether. Yeah, uh, when you win, it doesn't do the crash thing that it does for the PC uh, for the PC version. It just kind of goes like full white screen and for then, a minute, okay. and then uh, and then it comes back. It almost looks like it freezes, and then it comes back. Oh, nice! Another thing I, I wanted to mention: we've talked about it. We tried to. I will try to sell anybody on this game if I can. <laughs> But one thing that I find very, very interesting about this game is some of its uh, ratings on Steam. You know, the the PC game distribution service that has its own rating system, and the internet can be can be rough sometimes. You know, review bombing. People will downvote games for the most arbitrary of reasons. And especially this game kind of gets a lot of people like, oh, it's just a meme meme game, which I I disagree with. But I kind of get that when people say that. But on Steam itself, which, you know, game uh, games with problems get judged harshly. 
But on Steam, Undertale is 96% overwhelmingly positive, which I think is massively telling. That was one of the things that really got me to check out Undertale because it was about a year uh, before I played it myself. And I just couldn't get past that that rating because like Steam can be brutal. People people are not nice on the internet when it comes to to reviewing games. I'm and kind of all- impressed that Toby Fox hasn't done anything in a year to piss those reviewers off. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also on Metacritic, uh, it has uh, has a 92 still. Like this is five years later. Like that's kind of why I don't really give a shit about anybody <laughs> reviewing anything. At all whatsoever. If I see a thing and it looks interesting, I'm gonna try it out either way. Someone could be like, "This game is complete garbage," and I'll be like, "Oh, still looks good. I'm gonna try it out." Uh, if I went by reviews, I would have missed out on some of my favorite games that I've ever played. Because there's always that salty guy that if you catch the salty person who just sucked at a game or played it for ten minutes, <laughs> and wanted to be the first to review it, you're gonna miss out. True. You know, uh, I'll, I'll sometimes I'll watch a, a review or like a before you buy or one of those things and take those things into consideration. But mostly, if I wanted, uh, if I'm interested in a game, I'll look at some gameplay and be like, "That looks fun to play," and I'll go by that. I don't go by what the community says. Yeah. I'll go more by what my, a friend of mine says. Sure, and sure. I might not always agree, but uh, they know more about what I like, like or would like than some random person on, and, and on a website who's paid some people, not everyone who does reviews is paid, but you know, the big <laughs> reviewers that are paid to do it. You're like, they're so jaded from having to play games. This might not even be their style of game. So they gut it. So that's why I never really put a lot of stock in anybody's review of anything. Yeah. Even if I watch it, I won't. I'm basically more watching it to see the gameplay they put in the video. It's, it's very hard to find a game that you don't get some sort of enjoyment out of either. Like, like, Ooh. like Jason, you said you didn't really care for Undertale, but you at least like, like you got enjoyment out of the music and all that stuff. Like there, at least yeah. there's, there's elements like just yeah. even like a, a movie that's shitty. I can compartmentalize and like, Oh, I like this part. You know, like, yeah. Um, easiest target is the new star Wars movies. <laughs> like a lot of them are not good, but I can enjoy elements of them. <laughs> Uh, especially if they're like a sequel to something I do like, like I realize that some movies are just garbage or something like uh, some of the Terminator sequels, but as much as I like Terminator, I'm still going to drive some enjoyment out of it. So that's the way I approach video games too. I, I go into everything with a fresh mind, you know, even if it's a series I'm a fan of and just kind of, okay, well I liked this part. So it wasn't a total loss. You know, I try to find the good in things, even if I don't like them. Uh, if I, because if I really don't think I'll like something, I won't even bother trying it. And you know, sometimes things can sway you in the end. Like, there's been a bunch of movies where I've been like, "This is boring," and then it all comes together at the end, and you're like, "Wow, actually, that was a really good movie." Now that I have seen the whole thing, you know, like a lot of people that review things don't even bother finishing the thing. They're like, "Oh, the first two levels, oh, I've experienced it all," <laughs> and then they. Just, <laughs> You know, you can tell some people when you see the reviews, like they didn't even play it all. What are they talking about? You know, they'll they'll rip on something and you'd be like, well, clearly he hasn't played the third level because that's all explained and stuff like that. So that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big 
proponent for play it yourself and judge it yourself. Don't just you heard it. You, the, the more you hear other people's opinions, the more they'll skew your own opinion and being like, "Oh yeah, that guy was right," and you'll know, like automatically like notice that more. That's the way I. That's the way I like to approach things yeah. in general. Church is hosting and Jason's preaching. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, mentioning sequels, there is actually a follow-up to Undertale. Uh, not exactly a sequel, or at least at this point, it's not a sequel. Um, there is a game that is available for free on, I believe, on all platforms. Uh, it's called Deltarune, which is an anagram for Undertale. And it is basically kind of the the next step in this formula. It's part one, so it's not a, f- a full game, but it's a good few hours. And it's a lot of the same characters, but again, it's a like a different universe. So the characters are there, but they're uh, like the personalities are intact, but it's not connected to Undertale as far as we know. It's a multiverse. Yeah, curious to see how they make those connections. And there's actually there is some potential, very interesting meta sort of uh, connotations and possible connections that we'll just have to see how they all pan out. But I would definitely recommend checking out Deltarune. They take a different angle with the gameplay, more of a traditional style JRPG, but still again kind of mixing things up. Again, killer soundtrack for Deltarune and. The rest of the game or the next part, uh, no date. Uh, it took him five years or so, or I forget exactly how long, to do the first part of Deltarune by himself. And he said that he didn't want to make this a game that took another 10 years to finish, so he actually was assembling a team. So hopefully we'll see something from that in the near future. But in the meantime, if you enjoyed Undertale, I would definitely recommend checking out Deltarune, which is available for free. Have, have any of you checked out uh, Deltarune? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and just like you said, like, great story. Baller soundtrack. Yeah. It's one I haven't touched yet, but I definitely will. I might not. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so then I wanted to jump into some community impressions, again, for anybody who uh, wants to play along with Prime, you can use the hashtag play along with Prime uh, when you start a game, play in a game, or complete a game. And a lot of times we can pull some of those comments and share them here. So let's do it. First up, we got a comment from Analyst Duelist on Twitter. Only played it for the first time this year. A clever and charming game that found ways to surprise, entertain, and to make one laugh and think. Amazing soundtrack. Uh, Then we have It's Rocket Sauce. Undertale is very misleading. While it's not graphically impressive, it has a beautiful story. It looks easy, but there are some very challenging boss fights. I don't think this game was for me at the beginning, but here I am continuing on past the first credits. And I I will uh, mention that I I got this um, before he finished the game, uh, and I actually didn't see any further comment. So 
but that's great that it continued on. And then lastly, uh, this wasn't an official like play along with Prime or like just beat it or something, but uh, pulled this from the Cartridge Club forums. Uh, Caleb J. Ross at Caleb J. Ross uh, says, my first playthrough back when the game was released was pretty much kill everything, uh, was pretty much a kill everything run. I got to the final boss and couldn't beat it. A recent playthrough, I did a pacifist run, much easier and much more satisfying. So... Thank you very much for those comments and hope to see uh, more people playing along with Prime when you can. And then as we kind of wrap things up here, I would like to give you all a chance to uh, plug your social medias uh, or uh, YouTube. So let's go ahead and just go down the list here. Uh, let, them, let people know how they can get a hold of you on, on the socials. I, I guess I'm first. Uh... I'm on Twitter, Nintendo Hodge, and um, YouTube, Nintendo Hodge. I'm trying to put out content. Um, normally, I'd be doing yard sales, but with everything kind of shut down, it's a little tough right now. Uh, but I have put up a little bit of content recently. So, yeah, those are the two places you can find me. And I'm on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Corpse Flood Gaming. I also do the Game Tenants podcast with Church and the Super Enabler Bros podcast on my own channel with chris the old ass retro gamer it's a lot of fun so if you want to just come hang out sometime come check it out cool and i'm mauser tv on twitter and twitch and i'm a part of the winter ion game studios youtube channel on youtube so a lot of good playthroughs and uh informative and scholastic content for gaming as well Excellent. Thank you for that. And then if anybody would like to get a hold of me or whatnot, I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you look up the Game Grinder, you will find me there. Rather not. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. That's fine. I have no hard feelings here. Uh, But uh, so. Do check it out. So that is going to do it for this episode of Cartridge Club Prime for May 2020. The CC Prime game for June is Gears of War, which is available via Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, Windows, and iOS. I didn't know there was an iOS port of that, but it's pretty yeah. Cool game. Yeah. They booked me on the wrong gig. I already beat it. Today is the first, and I already <laughs> plowed through it this earlier today <laughs> love it uh then there's also the cartridge club portable and for june it'll be portable mania which is basically play any portable game and share your thoughts and curtis will talk about those games on the uh subsequent podcast and then last but not least is the pc focused quick quick save club who will be covering anti-chamber as their game of the month for june and july because they're doing uh two months per game uh so then to those of you interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice i'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community we are extremely grateful to those supporters and if you're interested in becoming one of them please look into how you can do that at patreon.com slash cartridge club with that said we look forward to hearing from you soon cc unite